Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 145. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Paul Paz. Paul, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling incredible this morning. Yes, that's what I like to hear, Paul. Let me just give the listeners at home a quick overview of who you are and what you're all about, then I'll pass it over to you. Paul C. Paz has been a professional career waiter and hospitality consultant since 1980. He authored the books Service at Its Best and The Professional Server. He served on the board of directors for the Oregon Restaurant Association and was the president of the National Waiters Association. First and foremost, Paul is a professional waiter. When Paul isn't tending to the needs of his guest, he manages WaitersWorld.com, an online community of career servers with the mission to elevate the status of waiters in America to a professional career level, a career of choice offering unlimited opportunities. Paul, this is just a huge aerial view of who you are and what you're all about. I'm going to pass it over for you now to get that inspirational, motivational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra of what you have for us. Hit us. You bet. My core about what I've done my entire career is based on two things. And and I apologize. It's not fancy. And <laughs> it doesn't the first, have to be. The first thing is be nice. Just be nice. I love it. And the second thing is... Get the order right. Mm. This is not rocket science. Those two things have really been everything that I've been about in trying to be successful. But the hardest part for our servers and the industry, it's, it's a rough and tumble business. Mm-hmm. It's just most of people. Don't blame them because they're hungry. <laughs> I love that you just say, you know, be nice. Because I think at the core of this industry, Paul, it's all about, especially hospitality, it's just all about the people that come to see you and making their lives a little bit better and just... I think at the core of hospitality, it's just being nice. And I'm super excited to have you on the show because you're our first career server. And it's super exciting. This is a milestone, Paul. And I think this, <laughs> and this, uh, this side of the industry, the, the hospitality side, I think is just really going to shine through today. And um, talk a little bit more about the importance of just getting the order right. Well, sure. Part of it is, is, is uh, just focusing on people. And mm-hmm. uh one of the things I try to remember myself is that fact of, of listening to people to understand them rather than just preparing a reply. Mm. Uh, we're in a hurry. Uh, we're multitasking in our heads, but we're not really paying attention to the guest. Uh, we're all, we get sidetracked also with making money and upping sales. Yeah. Uh, and part of, of – of, uh, Maya Angelou had a great line. It was that uh, people uh, will forget what you say. They'll forget what you did. They will never forget how you made them feel. Oh, yeah. That's, we've heard that one before. I love it. It's so true, though. Well, uh, are you familiar with the Red Hat Society of America? I am not. One of my favorite guests are the Red Hat Society of America. It's a senior citizen women's group over 50. Servers around the country are very familiar with them, and generally we hate them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because classic anti-waiters, separate checks, uh, split orders, iced tea, water with a straw, and more, lots of lemons, hot tea. But we always have to remember what what the biggest part of what we are is hospitality. Mm-hmm. And we have to, our guests, and I like to call them guests, we have to make them feel welcomed. And if you don't make them feel welcome, they're going to hate you and they're going to get even. Mm-hmm. So my approach with the Red Hat Society is rather than going, well, hello, and, and open the classic opening line is, would you like open uh, separate checks? That's not hospitality. That's just business. <laughs> yeah. Right? I hear you. For sure. It is. Let me see these beautiful people. Oh, my God. This, and I carry my cell phone. Let's take a picture. Give me some of these email. I'm going to send you this picture. You have to capture this moment. Well, in that process, what I'm getting, I'm establishing a personal relationship with people. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it may seem corny. Or, or, and a lot of servers is that classic. Is, well, I really don't want to know these people. Well, consumers, half the, uh, the people in the United States have worked in a restaurant at one time in their lives. Mm-hmm. They understand the restaurant routine. They also are much more sophisticated than servers think. 
they know when they're being hustled and they do not like it. And they especially pick up when they are not feeling welcomed. Mm. And, and, and I've always looked at waiting tables as being, I'm in business for myself and I've, uh, 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 I, I wrote this article. Your, uh, uh, your, your uh, network can look up the uh, Saturday market theory of waiting tables. Mm-hmm. And um, you know those, uh, what are they called? They're the, um, it's on, on the weekends, they have the, um, oh, what are they called? You go to the drive-in, and the vendor sets up all their little uh, uh, tables, and they're selling their wares. It's only on the weekends. Oh, we have a thing uh, farmer's markets? Farmer's markets, yeah. Yes. Well, there's a thing in Portland, Oregon called the Saturday market. Super okay. popular. Isn't that well known? So I look at my, my position, my employer. I currently work for Oswego Grill in Lake Oswego. When these guys hired me, they gave me a building that cost $3.5 million. Okay. In that building, they, all the contents, including the professionally trained bartenders, cooks, preps, accountants, bookkeepers, management, they give me all that <laughs> to be for myself. I don't yeah. pay a dime for it. Okay. In Oregon, I'm fortunate to pay nine twenty-five an hour. I get nine twenty-five an hour for just showing up. Wow. Then they give me an office, which is four tables, five tables <laughs> if you're good. I'm slow, so I get four. Okay. But I don't pay for <laughs> $75,000 worth of physical food and beverage inventory that I don't pay anything for. Wow. And they give me that. <laughs> they do everything for one reason only, and that's to bring people to my office, which is my four or five table station. Mm-hmm. Job, as soon as the guests start arriving, my employer can't help me anymore. I've got to know what the soup du jour is. Yep. I've got to five pens because I have five tables that might have uh, five credit cards that run, have to run out at the same time. I have to bring a notepad so I can write down the orders and get it correct. Absolutely. So they, I've, I, 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 when I do my workshops, uh, staff will say, oh, my God, our menu's so big. I say, okay, well, let's count the pages here. You have a four-page menu, yes. I say, did anybody here ever get an A in college or high school? Hands go up. All right, tell me the class. It was science, it was math, it was English, it was history. I hate them all because I was a C student. I said, how many pages were in that book? 200, 300, 400 pages. And you had, what, six weeks, eight weeks to read all that, mm-hmm. consume mentally, and you got an A? Yes, I did. <laughs> in this real-life circumstance, you have to learn thoroughly four pages. Mm. You, four pages, you buy new cars. You save for retirement. You raise real families. You pay real bills. You take care of student loans. And Man. all of this is, to me, in that Saturday market theory of waiting tables, for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I totally hear it. And I think people just don't get the the weight of it. I mean, you're a salesperson. Like, you're selling the food. You're selling the atmosphere, the environment. You need to know it. I mean, you can't sell a car without knowing that car. And I don't think people kind of see the big picture. And I'm, I'm so happy you're kind of painting that for us. And we're learning so much from you so early on in this interview, Paul. But I kind of want to get the big picture of your career. I think maybe if you can just tell us real quick, like, was there a moment in your life, Paul? Like, bring us down to a moment in time where you just knew that, being a server wasn't going to be just a, a temporary job, but it was going to be your career. I mean, can you dial back and just think of that one time where you made the switch and you knew this was a career for you? Sure. Um, I before I've been a waiter what thirty five plus years. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was in the insurance business, very successful for ten years. Mm-hmm. I did a job because I hated it, made killer money, but I did not like I didn't like 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 how I earned my money, and I took a waiter's job just on a fluke. Matter of fact, I was in transition to personal life. I was getting divorced. I'm becoming a single dad. It was, I mean, my life was a wreck. Mm-hmm. I came back to Portland. And I was, I was able to. I had offers to do the insurance thing, but it's one of those moments, and we all have those moments in our lives. I knew what I did not want to do, and it was not going to be insurance. Mm-hmm. I'm going for. I see an ad for <clears throat> TGI Fridays locally. This hiring waiters. I'd never worked in a restaurant in my life. I'm 30 year, plus years old. I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait tables. Because you can teach a monkey to do that. That's easy. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I was, it was totally blowing me away. What, I, what hooked me into this business was that essentially I get paid to be nice to people. Mm. I really do. And I like being nice to people. And I think I'm generally a nice person. I thought, well, gosh, this is a thing where I can just be myself 
and 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 I provide pleasure and entertainment, and I make people happy. What I did not realize was the technical multitasking side of what it really involved. When they handed me my training materials, it's like this three reams of paper. I'm going, what's this? It's your training material. And I'm thinking, well, well, no, you know, you just take an order, you be nice, you give them a ticket, they pay you, and you're that's it. That's all there is to it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fridays to that, well, even now, they're known they had over 250 drinks. They had uh, 200 things on their food menu. I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I was feeling the stress of college all over again. So I'm diving into this, and I'm loving this. And I'm, and I'm looking at my new peers, and I see they're driving the new cars, and they're raising families, and they own homes. So I know the money's there. I didn't really know how much, but I know there's enough money to make a, a good a, a living wage, certainly. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how stressful the job was because guests, dining is an emotional experience. Oh, yeah. For both guests and the staff. And and because it's so emotional, you really have to address that part of the experience to make it successful. It's not just feeding them and satisfying their thirst. It goes way beyond that. And as an entrepreneur, what I also saw as a business person with my office is that what I needed to rely on was repeat business. So my approach was I got to get as many of these people I engage a year to come back to the restaurant and ask for my station. Mm. I learned that from my business days in insurance. You need repeat guests, repeat customers. As I'm into my first few months of this, one of my family members, I'll never forget this. It really hurt my feelings. They said, Paul, you have to get serious about work. You have three kids. You're a single dad. And I looked at him. I went, what do you mean serious? I'm going, okay, I'm not making as much money as I did when I was a waiter, I mean, as 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 an insurance guy. I said, but but I'm doing all right, I'm getting there. And but but the 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 connotation there or the inference was you're gonna be a loser if you're a waiter. Mm. And that pissed me off. I'm going, wait a minute, no, 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 no. I like this work and I know it's there. And that was my turning point. I went, you know what? I'm gonna make everybody that thinks that I'm a loser because I'm a waiter. I'm going to change that. And I'm also going to change or my effort was to make my industry realize that that we, hourly employees, are valuable assets. We are the face of your company. We are the face of the industry. We are the ones. Yes, you put up the money and provided all the risk and all the financial, but you don't go out. Nobody comes in and asks for the owner to serve them or for the owner to cook their meal, or for the owner to make their drink. It's those trained professional staff, and, and, and the trained professional staff, we reflect our management team. We re- reflect our ownership. Mm. We, reflect, we, are the, we reflect the culture of the organization. So are we here to be, uh, what, uh, uh, um, uh, Danny Meyer um, wrote his book, oh, I can't remember his book now. It's Setting the Table. Basis. Yeah, setting the table. Yeah, uh, you are either an, you're either a gatekeeper or you provide an option to people. Mm. I'm not a gatekeeper. I was a gatekeeper in insurance. My job was to make sure we didn't have to pay a lot of money and do a lot of service. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I love I love the fact that you know what you're saying, and I love what you're pointing out, and that, that's one of the reasons I think the biggest reason why I got super pumped to have you as a guest, Paul, is because of what you're saying about this being a real career. So many people look down to those who serve or anybody like a bartender and they, they look at it and say, that's not a real career. But you know, with your energy, with your attitude, if we all have your attitude, it is such an awesome career. And it's so fulfilling for the reasons you listed. You get to help people. You get to be nice to people. You get to create experiences. I mean, what other job yeah. can you do that touch so many people in one day? And I, I'm, I love what you're saying, and it's really getting me jazzed up. Um, we have to move on. I have to extract your it factors, Paul. I mean, if you could limit it down just, just a few things, like what would you say your characteristics, your habits, you know, what are they that make you successful? Um, I have a saying at work which annoys the dickens out of everybody, but, and, and, and a lot of times my peers think I'm talking to them, and, I, and I'm not. What I say to them out loud is I go game face, game face. And game face is the smile. <laughs> and sometimes under stress, we, we lose that game face, the smile, because we're focused, we're concentrated. But we, in the visually to our guests, we look like we're mad. And we're not mad at all. We're just thinking real hard. Mm-hmm. But we're in the mentality business. When I go out on stage, when I go out on the floor, my face has to give a send a message 
that I'm here to help you, and that's with eye contact. The smile is an invitation to service. It's an invitation to ask me questions. Let me know if you need something. When I, when I don't have that game face, I close off my guests from being able to engage me. So a lot of times I don't have, if I don't have the game face, I don't realize there's a problem that I need to fix or I need to give it attention to. And I think the other part of it too is multitasking is you've got to work a whole station, not just one table at a time. You've got to work the entire station, four or five tables at a time. And that's why I tell my peers, you need to, as you cruise in and out, you got to look at every table as, okay, what's the next several things, three mm. things you need to do every table. And that's what helps you with multitasking. Yeah. The biggest problem is, is being prepared. Servers get upset because guests don't treat them with, with respect. Yet when they greet the table and the guest says, what's the soup du jour today? And the server goes, dude, I don't know. I just got here. Or you don't have a pen. I mean, you make yourself look stupid. Or your, or your uniform looks like you just pulled it out of a laundry hamper. Or it's got scratch and taste all over the apron. <laughs> oh, scratch and taste. Oh, man. <laughs> I love what you're saying. And I mean, it... Yeah, but we want people to respect us, but we don't even respect ourselves. It has to start with the individual. You have to decide you're a professional person. I love it, man. I really do. And um, some of the things that are sticking out to me, you say, you know, that game face, that smile. Um, so many of us, we, we, we fake smiles. And what I like to say, and I think you wrote an article about this, is smiling with your eyes. And then, you know, you say to yourself, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. Or I see you. And you literally say that to yourself when you're smiling to people. And it makes such a big difference. It does. Oh, it absolutely does. People look at me like I'm crazy. And maybe I'm a, I am not your normal waiter. I know that. But I also know there was a period in my life where I, one of my sons uh, was very, very sick. And when I went to work, my whole mind and being was with my child. But I had to go to work. Mm-hmm. And I go to work and go, what? I'm not happy today. <laughs> Things are not good. I'm, I'm sad. I'm yeah. upset. I'm, I'm afraid. My child is very ill. Mm-hmm. But I also found that what gave me, what refreshed my spirit was knowing that I could refresh other people's spirit. I love it. I would see people who were down through, you know, you, when you're in the business for a while, you get, you learn how to pick up on vibes from people. And I could tell something was wrong. And I remember one time this table, they were all very stoic and kind of, you know, they were just all serious. I go, you guys okay today? Is everything fine? You know? And they says, well, we're, we just came back from a funeral. I go, okay, well, this is not the place to be cracking jokes, obviously. Mm-hmm. End of the meal. We used to, we we do, did a birthday thing. Well, I brought the birthday thing out, and I said this is in celebration of Fred's life. Mm. Man, and they all like, are you kidding? You you would do that? Nobody does that. I have a personal business card, which is a magnifying lens. It's a it's a credit card size magnifying lens. I got these years ago, and I have my guests looking. They can't read the dang menu because of the demographics. We're all getting old, <laughs> and I. Go, here, does that help? And they go, what? That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I said, but I'm helping you read the menu. I mean, I can tell you the menu and, and all the other things, but what waiter gives you a magnifying lens out of their their uh, a waiter book uh, to read the menu? Mm-hmm. Or what waiter flashlight says, here, why don't you take my flashlight because I realize it's too dark in here and you can't see it. Wow. I mean, I, I love what you're saying to us. And just to kind of pedal back a little bit, your comments about, you know, you had a son, he was sick, and you were in a bad mood. But what picks you up, what lifts you up, is the ability just to make that decision that, hey, today is going to be a good day because I have the ability to make other people happy. And the, what's cool about humans, I mean, you know, some animals can fly, some animals can run really fast, they can swim fast, or whatever it is, they can hold their breath a long time underwater. What humans can do, we have this huge frontal lobe that allows us to make a decision decide how we're going to feel. And people don't realize the power in that. And I just wanted to point that out. It's, it's so important, so, Paul. And You have to decide. You really do. It has to be a conscious effort because life has got its rough edges. And sometimes it affects us. Mm-hmm. But when you service industry... Uh, you have to have that PMA, positive, positive mental attitude. Um, and it's not always easy. I, no. I, and I, I know that from my own personal experience. So, but there is all the reward of making people feel very welcome and, 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 and just feeling that hospitality. I love which it. Which in turn turns into an incredibly good income. 
Absolutely. And Paul, this is what I have written down for your it factor so far. Your game face, which is your smile, your ability to multitask, and your ability to you know, be prepared with proactivity. I mean, those are the three I have bolded down right now. And your, your desire, also I should add, just to make other people happy. Is there any other if factor you want to share with us before we move on? Mm, no, I, I, I wish I was more magical than that. No, it's, that's that's a lot of magic right there, my friend. So those are some incredible if factors, and we learned so much from these, share, these stories you just shared with us. But now, I, and I personally think we learn the most from those failures in life. So tell me, Paul, about a time you failed and just fell hard on your fanny, and bring us through that moment of the failure. It was my training shift at the, my first restaurant jobs. I was the food runner for the shift. And, again, remember, I've never done this before. I didn't know I had to be a circus performer and carry plates. Okay. So I'm there on the pass-through line, and uh, food comes up, and the expo calls runner, and I step up. And you know how the new person always has that look on their face like, Oh, shit. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> don't want to. Do My manager was the coolest manager. He goes, well, are you ready to do this? I go, yes. And here I am. I'm 10 years older than everybody else. All my new peers are really good at what they do, and I'm all thumbs. And the worst thing is just to be on stage with your peers and to fail. So I grabbed the first couple of plates. I'm good. I set the one on my arm. They didn't tell me it was going to be hot. <laughs> and that's turning the crap out of my arm. My ego kicked in. I'm going, I can't lose space. I have to finish this task. I didn't say a word. I just let that sucker cook my arm. I grabbed the third plate, and I'm hustling out to the dining room. Well, I get about halfway out, and I'm out by the hostess stand, and I, my, it's too painful. So rather than throw the plates on the floor, there was a wall. I slapped them against the wall and slid them down on the floor. And there's a gasp of all the people waiting, and there's people laughing, and then you hear that one call, loser. Oh, I'm on the man. floor, and I'm to myself, I quit this insurance job of X gazillion dollars to do this. And look, life is such a wreck at home. And now look at me. I've got this mess, this pile of food. People are laughing at me. Oh, man. I'm going, oh, what have I done? And so out of the corner of my eye, here comes this buster. I don't even know who the kid was, even today. He's got a spot. He starts cleaning up my mess. And then here comes the manager. And I'm thinking, well, Hell, I'm at the front door, so he's just going to pick up speed, give him some momentum, give me a stiff arm, and my career in, in, in the restaurant is over. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He, I mean, he goes out to the table I was running the food for. Little apology. We're going to fix it. One of my peers, who I do not know was, goes to the back of the house, tells the kitchen, the new guy screwed up. He dropped all the plates. We need to fire, refire the whole order. The kitchen gets it all done. I don't know any of these people. They have no <laughs> loyal commitment to me. And here they are saving my ass. <laughs> out and what hooked me into this business was I realized I don't care how good you are individually you can't be successful unless you're a strong team mm. unless you've got another's backs I remember when I was I'm a Vietnam vet and I remember with our squads we didn't all necessarily like one another and we didn't always hang out with one another but I tell you what when the shooting started you knew you could rely on the person next to you they would not let you down and that's what I liked about the restaurant biz about waiting tables that has that you got to be combat ready to be successful and Ben, you better watch one another's backs i love it man and how important would you say it is to work that into your culture like to have that written in someplace to know like if you're on this team it's a you know like we are one for all and all for one like how Absolutely. impactful is Absolutely. that oh it is one of the, one of the key lessons i uh, try to uh, care, which is part of our culture where i'm at now is that is you have to learn how to ask for help mm. because most often people, especially seasoned veterans, we're too prideful. We would rather let our guests food get all screwed up or never show up than have anybody help us. But the only one that suffers from that or loses is our guest. And the most mm. expensive in any restaurant is the empty one. Everybody loses. So I teach staff how to ask for help. You don't go in the middle of a busy shift going, can somebody help me? Because we're all mental, mentally multitasking. Mm-hmm. I don't clear my mental slate and say, okay, tell me your little sad story. The way you ask for help is you say very specifically, can somebody give me a refill of coffee on table six? Can somebody run the drinks for table 10 for me? Can somebody take table seven? Because I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And with seconds, somebody in your team will be able to fill you in. And if you think about how we help one another, rarely does it take more than 10 or 20 seconds. 
Mm-hmm. And there's so many opportunities, too. I mean, one thing I noticed, like, my favorite role in the restaurant industry is the host. And I am constantly looking for just opportunities to help other people. Not, like, you know, just the littlest things. Like, if I see a table that has everybody finished and there's just plates on the table, I won't go to that server and say, hey, do you want me to clear that for you? I'll just do it. And I think so many times where we just run into these opportunities to help people, when you just do those little things and you, you, you're proactive and you make the most, you're of, you know, every step you're taking and you're efficient, like, everything just runs so much better. I mean, that's kind of, like, what I'm hearing from you. And you're giving us these great stories. I mean, that was an incredible failure. You spelled out, like, your biggest lesson from that failure, and that was that you have to be a team. We're just learning so much from you, Paul. And it's time for us to dive into the speed round of this interview, and we call it Knowledge Bombs. And you're just going to blow us away with little bombs of knowledge of everything you've learned in your 30 plus years as a career server. Are you ready for this? Okay, we're going to try it. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So the first question, I mean, what's your advice for funding a restaurant? You've been in this industry for so long. Like, Have you picked up any knowledge on like where to get the capital and how to do it right? Uh, not so much on where to get funding as it is uh, a lot of entrepreneurs get into opening a restaurant and they have no idea of what their expenses are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, some of the consulting jobs I've done, uh, one of the questions I'll ask the uh, employer is, have you looked at your possible per-person check average for each guest? And they'll, ask, they'll tell me, well, what are you talking about? I'm going, oh, man, you've got to have some vision as to how much each guest has to spend in order to make all your expenses, as well as setting goals for your staff. You want, the, you want them to hit an average target of sales per guest for every shift. That way you can anticipate a certain level of revenue stream in order, again, to keep your business running. I love it. So have an idea of your expenses and set goals for your staff so you can meet those, uh, I guess, what would you call them, uh, numbers. The numbers that you, you – uh, if you set those goals, if you give them a picture, you give them something to aim for, then you're more than likely or more likely to get those numbers. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely, yeah. Awesome, yeah. I love it. So the next question I have for you, Paul, is what advice do you have for hiring good people? What are you looking for? What questions are you asking? What's most important? I think the most important thing is you need to hire people, I keep beating this word up, that are nice, that are engaging. So I true. can teach. Yeah, I can teach you how to carry a plate. I can teach you menu specs. I cannot teach you kindness. I cannot teach you thoughtfulness. I cannot teach you consideration of your other human beings that you can't do. Where do we find these people? Is there a place you look or a, a, a resource you I, have? Or I think that one of the things uh, uh, employers miss is communicating with their current staff that as they are out and about and then you find somebody, because we're social creatures, that as you find somebody who's really good at what they do that you really like and how they serve you, Find out their names. You know, get us a name uh, or a contact, or let them know that we're always looking for good help, and if they consider working for your type of restaurant. I think your staff is an excellent recruiting tool that we overlook. We're too quick to go to technology, looking for online applications. I mean, I know there's advantages to that, but we're 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 in the people business. I've I've met over the years and in a smaller community here in Portland, Oregon. Restaurants open, come and go all the time. But so often as I go to a new restaurant, I see this same face that worked at the last 10 new openings. Mm. What I'm seeing is, is what this employer did is they hired for mechanical skills. They did not hire for consumer advocacy. Ag- advocacy. Mm-hmm. So, so the, but they, they hired a great mechanic that hates people. And we're the people <laughs> Oh, man, it's so true, and I love how you pointed out this lever- leveraging your staff and who they know, but what's true about people is they travel in similar packs. If you have good people working for you, odds are they know other good people that have those same ideals, the same values, and you can just, there's when you get the good ones, there's always good ones that are tied to that good person, so great advice, and I mean, I, I love what you're saying there. So the next question I have for you is kind of on the same topic with people, but when you find these good people, Paul... What's your advice for keeping them on your team? You know what? Human beings crave being appreciated. And appreciating another person for a job well done doesn't cost money. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost anything. It is inspiring for your staff to hear from the boss 
that you uh, not only do you a good do a good job, but we're just thrilled to have you as part of the team. Mm-hmm. I love it. That that puts gasoline on the fire for people. That inspires them to do not just a good job, but a great job. And and I think too many times employers overlook that. Uh, employers are busy. I know that, but you know what? You're in the restaurant business. It goes with the territory. Yeah, I love it. One of the problems our industry has right now is that uh, we've got a recovering economy. The restaurant business is definitely growing, but we have a shrimping, shrinking labor pool. People are leaving us in droves because they don't want to work for us. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we have a history of not being very good to our staff. Mm, and so true. And, and 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 we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot. I'm not talking about babysitting. I'm not talking about millennials and that stereotype that they want everything for nothing. That's not what it's about. It's about being just as kind and thoughtful and considerate to our employees as we want our employees to be with our guests. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so true. I mean, and the, the, the value in just, I mean, it kind of reminds me, your words kind of remind me of the, a book that I'm currently going through called The One Minute Manager right now. And uh, they talk about yeah. the, the three phases or the three uh, steps of one minute managing. The second step is all about a one minute uh, uh, praise, I believe. That's the second step. And when you so many times when people when we talk to our staff it's because they're doing something wrong and nobody wants to be you know pulled down all the time but if you flip the table and you tell people when they're doing something right you're reinforcing those positive behaviors and you're making them feel good about yourself you're feeding into those higher needs um what do you have to say about that well i i think it's it's a two-way street i think employees often forget that their management team are people too, mm-hmm. and they need to be recognized. Um, it also, it, 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 you know, you, you can get a lot more. That that old adage: you get uh, you get more done uh, using sugar than you do a vinegar. Yeah, for and, sure. Yeah, and and when you're harsh with your management team, well, you're going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, their jobs are tough, and you got to recognize it. So. Uh, Part of my role of, of uh, is making my manager's job easier, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go back to the basics. Show up on time for work. <laughs> Come prepared. It's so Look true. Like a, I mean, this is, again, this is not rocket science. I remember I, there's a, a gal friend of mine years ago. She cussed like a sailor. Oh, my <laughs> God. Unbelievable. I'm old school. I'm old-fashioned. I'm an old-fashioned baby boomer. You know, you just don't talk like that. But anyway, um um, she worked another job for a nonprofit. And I says, do you talk like that at your other job? She goes, oh, God, I would never talk like that. I says, so your game to use this incredibly vulgar, disrespectful language with these because we are less deserving people? <laughs> but that's what it reflects. Yeah, that's tough have sometimes, too, because you have these people like – you know the the culture in the restaurant industry, the behind you know back of house people making jokes, and it's hard to kind of you know realize that you got to draw the line sometime. You know, absolutely, yeah. But but I, again, uh, you get more with the honey. I, I think of my back of the house. Uh, how many of our staff can go back and name every uh, kitchen person on the staff? Not many, and most most can't. Yeah. Most take the time to get to know their kitchen app other than where's my food. Mm. When, how often do you hear please and thank you to our cooks, to our prep people for doing such an incredible job? Not enough. But, but in doing so, and, and I'm not talking about tip pooling, I'm not going there, but I'm just talking about being respectful to one another. When I do that with my kitchen staff, and here's how it works is I established a very positive relationship with them. So when I do screw up, they're going to save my butt. <laughs> it's so true. I love it, man. Well, I, I have a, a two great guests. Uh, they're from Hawaii. At one time, the regulars, and man, I was, everything was going wrong. Kitchen was messing up. The bar messed up. I messed up. Everything was going wrong. And they knew it, and I knew it, and it was just obvious. Finally, I shuffled out to the table. I said, you guys, uh, Manny, Betty Jean, I am so sorry. Everything is going wrong, and I, I have to apologize. Manny's from Hawaii, and he looks at me and goes, Paul, in Hawaii, there are monkeys. And, you know, sometimes even monkeys fall out of trees. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, my God, I'm stealing that line. Man, I love I the said, stories you're killing. Sorry, go ahead. But but the 
the the deal breaker was is that I had established a very good relationship, positive relationship with these guests. Yeah. And because we trusted one another, because we like one another, because we love one another, mm-hmm. it would give me a much larger margin of error, acceptable error, than if I was mean or nasty to them or I didn't care or I was in, inhospitable or if I wasn't friendly. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I mean, it kind of reminds me of, of a kind of a, of not. I guess you could call it a philosophy, but really when we make mistakes, it's, it's, it can, I'm not saying it's okay to make mistakes, but when you make mistakes, it's really about what you do after you make that mistake that will make or break you. I mean, if, if you want to make it, I mean, if you're constantly looking to do what's the best and if, if people can see that you care about what's happening, the odds are they're going to be okay with it. It might be a little inconvenience, but it's just a matter of your transparency of actually caring. And uh, I mean, it's kind of what I'm hearing from you. I do consulting work. I wrote a book. I wrote a couple books. Um, I've appeared on national broadcast shows, uh, ABC's 2020, uh, innumerable uh, national magazines as a subject and as a writer. Uh, at heart, I'm a waiter. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I serve any role model, it is that our industry is unlimited. Mm. Anybody could be doing what I'm doing. You just have to decide it's something you want to do. You have to decide that you're going to bring something to the table. I find that as a waiter and as a consultant, my job is not to make money. My job is to improve the moment for my guests, those that I serve. And those that I serve are not just my guests. My guests are also my peers. Those are hired guests. Mm. How do I serve them to be successful? How do I serve my a company, my management team, so that they can be successful? How do I serve my consulting clients so that they can be successful? Mm. Unless I can improve their lives somehow, I'm of no value to anybody. I love it, man. You're just dropping gold on us. This is all great stuff. I really do love it. Um, And you had just mentioned that you, you authored two books, and we're moving on to the next question, which is, what are some resources, some books that you recommend, and you can give a selfish plug if you want to. Uh, sure. <laughs> go for it. The most recent book is The Professional Server. It is a mechanical book. It's about the mechanics of waiting tables. Uh, across this country, uh, especially small employers, independents, they don't have a lot of resources and training. I recommend this to teach the staff the basic uh, mechanics and functions of, of serving guests and waiting tables book that really inspired me years ago was by Jim Sullivan, uh, Service That Sells. Mm. It was the first book I ever read, and I was going, oh, my God, this is the coolest book ever. It's got to be like 30 years old. I still have it. Um, Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table. You want an inspiration uh, on to think like an executive as an hourly employee, as a waiter, and that's kind of where the concept of the Saturday market theory comes from that I am an entrepreneur, I have all this opportunity, I have to decide how far I'm going to go with it. I am not a victim. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great stuff. All uh, great books I haven't heard of. It was a Jim Sullivan. Jim Sullivan's uh, 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 Service That Sells, and then Danny Myers wrote Setting the Table. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Don't forget the professional later. <laughs> yeah, that too. Another one of your books. Awesome stuff. Uh, I'll have links to those books in the show notes. I know that uh, Danny Meyer setting the table is on audio. If you guys haven't experienced audiobooks, I'm telling you, uh, if you think you're somebody who doesn't have time to read books, well, guess what? Audiobooks is makes it so easy and just a. You can do anything in your life, and you can be listening to a book, and you owe it to yourself, guys. And you can get a free audiobook right now by going to audibletrial.com/unstoppable. All right, moving on. The, the next question I have for you, Paul, which marketing efforts get the best result? Let's talk about marketing. What has you know your experience been? Um, word of mouth uh, uh, advertising is still an incredibly powerful tool. Mm-hmm. It is enhanced now with social media. Um, I'll give you an example. I, keep a, I have a list of about 1,500 guests on my email listing. Wow, and I put them on my calendar for their anniversaries, for their birthdays, etc., so that I can drop them an email, maybe give them a phone call if I'm known closer than that. And it's not an invitation to come and sit at my station and to uh, uh, buy dinner to celebrate their occasion. It is personal. It is to wish them well on their special event. Now, 
some people will say, well, that's a little bit conniving, isn't it? No, that's just being civilized. That's being a smart business person. Mm-hmm. Bankers do it. Doctors do it. Lawyers do it. Why can't waiters do it? Mm-hmm. I also, you want to stand out as a waiter? Go get yourself some business cards made. Awesome. That's the first time that was mentioned on the show. Yeah, I mean, it, but what you're saying is so true as far as the word of mouth and doing all those little extra things to show people that you're they're on your mind and that you care. And it's not just a business relationship, but you, you know, I mean, those yeah. are the little things. Just being a good person at the end of the day. And that's all great oh, yeah. advice. So the next question I have for you, Paul, is on the topic of technology. I mean, you've been in the industry since the 80s. Uh, you've seen things come and go. What are some of the technologies that you're seeing coming up in the industry uh, that can help you with efficiency, effectability, profitability? Um, is there anything out there that has your attention or something that you're currently using? Um, one of the things, this is my advice to managers and owners, is because of the workforce, and I'm going to refer to millennials, are very dependent upon technology, and they use it incredibly uh, uh, on extreme high level. We need to find to to uh, teach ourselves how to use text messaging. Mm. Us old goofballs, us uh, baby boomers, us uh, snobby owners that know everything get so upset because our staff does not respond to emails. What we need to teach ourselves is the fact, and come to a grips with is that is not how millennials communicate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They communicate text messaging. Yeah, it's and, true. And too many owners won't do it, one, because they don't know how, and they're, they're too prideful to say to anybody, I don't know how somebody show me. Or secondly, they'll pass it off as, well, that's just for kids. Really, if I remember right, wasn't the, uh, what was, uh, uh, countries have been changed, uh, elections have been won, using text messaging and social media. It's true. Yeah, man, it's so powerful. And can you think of any technologies that incorporate text messaging that are part of that technology's functionality? Well, I have kind of a corny one. But you know how the managers are always getting, they're trying to, it's a cat and mouse game about the managers catching the staff on their, te- on their cell phones. Yeah. But not one of the managers has, uh, not one, too many managers or owners uh, see their staff at a distance on their cell phone and try to hustle over there and catch them, which is not at the time they put it away. But if they knew how to text, they would just text them the message, get off your phone and get to your table. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's uh, good. And, I mean, some of the things I was thinking about and just this you know, topic of leveraging text messaging, I know a lot of the, the scheduling software today, like hot schedules, like ScheduleFly, Shift Notes, uh, LunaDesk, like all these different softwares that you can use to communicate your schedule to your team, they integrate text messaging. So when you change a schedule or or you publish a schedule or there's a switch on the schedule, everybody that's on your team will instantly get a text message. And what that does is it makes people accountable and you know, they're going to be getting that text message because their nose is always in their phone. Um, So there's so many tools out there we can use today to improve communicating. And I know just scheduling software is one of them. Um, And it kind of ties back into that, that power of text messaging. So I felt like it was a good time. The online scheduling is a really wonderful tool. I know that I know the staff love it. Mm -hmm. They absolutely love it because it's quick, it's fast, it's easy. And it's, and it, it doesn't tie up their personal uh, texting or messaging. It's all for business. Yeah. Which one are you using, Paul? I'm using uh, hot schedules. Yeah, I do strongly recommend the online um, uh, scheduling. They're just an incredibly powerful, useful, and very flexible tool. Awesome. So the next question I have for you, Paul, if you could go back in time, say it's 1980, and you ran into your, the past version of yourself, just getting started in the industry, burning his arm on hot plates, what advice would you give to yourself if you could just give yourself one piece of, of you know, serving advice? Hmm. I, I think the most important thing is, is that if you have a passion for service, as a waiter, that's critically important. But a passion to serve others goes on all kinds of venues. If you want to be the president of your own company, regardless of if it's in the hospitality industry or not, you have to have a passion to serve others and to do it well, not just half-heartedly. Um, Martin Luther King had a line uh, along those same lines. Is, is that, um, oh, I can't. I'm, the line escapes me. I'll send it to you later. But it, but it, it, it had all about that if you're going to serve others, you need to do it well. You need to do it with passion mm. uh, because it, it uplifts the human spirit. 
so in that vein, yeah, you need to come and you have to like serving other people. And you have yeah. to make that the priority. I mean, I think one word you could use is just depth. I think when people take the, their initial job as a server, they're very shallow and they don't understand the the depth you can go and the levels of service. Like you mentioned before, just it's it's you're creating an experience. You're, there's so many little things you can do to, to change someone's day, and it's not just bringing them food. Like you, and it's not just your guests; it's your inner guests, it's the people you work with, the, your management. Like there's so many opportunity opportunities for you just to this depth to serve people in so many ways. And there's just so much power in that. And I think that's, if you can just convey that message to your people. I mean, that's so important. Yeah. One of the characteristics I have is I have a incredibly corny sense of humor and I use it often. And, and when I go to work with my peers, the first thing I want to come to the table with when I see my peers is I want to be nice to them and I want them to feel good. And I want them to see from me that I'm glad that I get to work with them today. Mm. I'm happy around them. And I project that same thing with my guests. I project that same thing with my people in the back of the house and my hostess and my bartenders. These are good people, both the guests and my peers. And I want to find a way to make their day just a little bit better. Yeah. So, again, it's, and it sounds corny to Dickens. I know it does. No, it doesn't at all. And the thing, to take it a step further, when you make other people feel better and you can physically see their reaction and see the outcome of how you made that person's day better, you already felt good in the beginning of the day, but we're going to finish that day feeling 10 times better because of what you just did. There's so much power there, Paul, and I'm 100% on board with what you're saying. Now, I've got to ask you, is there one question I could have asked you, Paul, that would have added more value to this interview? Oh, wow. Would you recommend that your family do this? <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, would you recommend that your family does this? Absolutely. I have three children. My two uh, sons, the, uh, uh, my kids are older now, uh, work the business. One has been it for, gosh, 20-plus years. The other one, 20-plus years, and just recently left. He went to school and got his degree and is in his degree field now. Uh, it worked for them. It, 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 it provided them the standard of living they wanted to live. My daughter uh, worked the business one summer and committed and stuck with it that she would never, ever do that again. <laughs> but I also find that when you wait tables – when you serve others and you and you go through the grind, it humbles you and it makes you realize that you have to prepare yourself for the worst. Mm. You have to you have to be ready to take on the worst. And besides all the good stuff, we like reaping the good, but you got to be be able to deal with the difficulties of life. And our restaurant uh, life can bring that to you quite readily. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, we're going to wrap it up now. You've been such an incredible guest. I mean, you're sharing such knowledge with us. And we're going to wrap it up by having you call somebody out, Paul. Who is one indie restaurant professional, or maybe you have a couple you can think of, that you think would make great guest mentors on the show like you just have? I've got two. I've got one that's an owner, and i got one that's a professional peer. Uh, the owner is uh, David Burnett, the man I work with uh, today at Oswego Grill. Uh, he opened Oswego Grill um, in 2009 at the very apex of the um, recession. And everybody was telling him, are you crazy? You're opening a new restaurant um, uh, at, at this time. And Dave's whole concept is it's about the guests. That's all that counts mm. is the guests. Whatever we do has to be to benefit the guests. Dave awesome. now, we're... We're, uh, what, five years, six years past the recession. We've recovered. Dave is open. I helped him uh, last month, April. I helped him open his third restaurant. We employ over 300 people now. So his courage and his determination to have a successful business about restaurant and about taking care of others really paid off. The other person is Michael Beesmeyer. Michael Beesmeyer is a career waiter out of the Bay Area. I met Michael through social media, quite frankly. He's a real techie. You would like him uh, a lot, Eric. Um, he, uh, he's uh, mid-30s, a family man, got a couple of three kids. Um, but he took his technology experience. Um, uh, 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 are you familiar with uh, Fobo? Um, F-O-H-B-O-8? Is that a Front website? Yeah, they're, they're a web company uh, all about restaurant and hospitality established about five, six years ago. I think I've heard of well, it, but I'm not uh, really familiar. Mike, Go ahead. Michael is the consummate professional waiter. But he took his technology interests and skills 
And uh, he parlayed that into what he does now is he also runs uh, uh, social media pages for restaurants. Oh, wow. And does a, does a premier job, does an unbelievably good job. Great. But he has a, he has a passion for both. So those are two people you would want to talk with. Awesome. David Burnett and Michael Bismeyer. Beastmeyer. Beastmeyer. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. And, Paul, this is when you can just tell the folks at home how to connect with you. If anybody has further questions, they want to learn more from you. I mean, you have so much knowledge. I wish we could have pulled more out of you today, but we're on a, a time crunch. If they want to connect with you, Paul, how can we? You know, easy ways to connect through me, uh, through my Facebook page, Waiters World. That's Paul C. Paz. I'm on there all the time. Love chatting with people. I've got a website, waitersworld.com. Um, constantly available. I do have Twitter, uh, Waiters World also, but I still haven't figured out how to totally use it. <laughs> Although I'm mildly active on it. i got to get busy with that one. Oh, well, we're going to get you active because we're going to get everybody tweeting at you after this episode. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll have all those links to connect with you, your website, Twitter handle, Facebook, all in the show notes uh, right there. Uh, and he, Paul is active on Facebook. That's how I found him. That's how we communicate. So he will... Uh, you know, he will engage with you guys. This guy loves the industry. He loves helping people. Uh, don't hesitate. Uh, this is somebody you want to tap into for knowledge. And uh, you have his website right there. A lot of his lessons are already spelled out for you. Just got to read it. So don't hesitate. Uh, get on it. And Paul, thank you so much, man. You are without a doubt unstoppable. Uh, you've given us so much knowledge. Thank you so much, Eric. You have a very good day. I, I really appreciate you inviting me to visit. I didn't realize I was your first waiter guest, so yeah. that's that's a real incredible big honor. But, again, the fact that you would take the time to invite an hourly employee to represent that part of the industry is, is amazing. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm really taken that uh, you would invite me to do that. So uh, you <laughs> appreciate it. It was my honor. It really was. And uh, you don't have to thank me. I should be thanking you for taking the time to contribute. It's, it's uh I'm learning so much, and it wouldn't be possible without people like you. Ah, thank you. Another incredible episode in the bags, and honestly, it's just great that we finally have a server on the show. And you know, we we are all professionals in this industry, and there's so many passionate people. And it was truly my honor to finally get a server on the show, someone to share that passion, to go to bat for all these people who do take their service. Uh, career very seriously and I think Paul is an incredible example of how we should all be if we are servers and he has that ability to just to see the impact he can make in someone's life and it's such a rewarding career if you have that attitude that Paul has so uh, it was truly my honor today to make an example of him I hope you guys are all jazzed up if you're at home listening to this so much incredible advice in this episode some great resources some great books I'll have the links to all those and a recap to the Discussion we had at www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Paul Paz, and that's P-A-Z, the last name. So do check that out, and do head over to the website, restaurantunstoppable slash books, for a complete list of all the books and resources that were mentioned from our past guests. You guys need to look into these resources and grow yourself professionally. Also, I'll have another page, restaurantunstoppable slash tools, that has all of the past uh, you know, technologies and services that are out there that our guests are leveraging and putting their seal of approval on. So you can check that out too. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for coming out. Shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. If you can think of a guest I should have on the show, always looking for guests, always looking for topics, discussions, just get in touch with me. I would love it. All right, that's all. Until next time, peace out.